Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. You don't connect the dots. It's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings 
on The Fringe FM. TheFringe.fm is the network website. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can visit our website for my books and for our growing show archive. Even if you're not a subscriber, you can still access the free archive. And on the homepage, you'll see a slider bar at the top. And if you slide all the way over to the right, you'll see a free show available every week. Again, if you're not a subscriber, so we give away a lot of free content here. Almost everything is free, but we stay on air with subscriptions and support from you as an audience. And we greatly appreciate that. It allows us to do shows that are a little unorthodox sometimes. We do shows that are on subjects that maybe they wouldn't be banned or censored, but they wouldn't be as accepted at major radio stations, which unfortunately in a lot of ways are failing. And I think part of the reason a lot of radio stations are failing is not necessarily because of the new technologies and cell phones and people using digital platforms to produce podcasts and radio, but I think it's because there aren't a lot of real radio hosts. There aren't a lot of real people that are willing to break paradigms and to journey into either areas that are uncomfortable or areas that have not been ventured into before. When we talk about a topic like health or food or nutrition, I've had to learn over the years that there's a better way to brand that topic. You know, I don't want to just tell you we're going to talk about health tonight. That kind of sounds boring. You know, it might sound like some weird infomercial. When we talk about health on this show, it's practical information. And practical information is beneficial to those who have an open mind and can go into a grocery store. And if you understand the nature of how advertisers and marketers sell you products, you can go beyond that and understand the ideology that is also sold to you. And probably one of the oldest ideologies, one of the oldest fallacies, is that of the appealing to authority, whether you're appealing to a lord or to a king or to a queen or to some higher form of authority, that that authority figure always knows what's best for you. That authority figure did the study. They did the research. They have the degree. They have the letters next to the name. I mean, they're experts, right? So we should trust those experts. We should trust Dr. Fauci. We should trust all the experts that tell us what we should do, even if it's contradictory information. So when I do a show on health or food, I like to go to the source of the information. I don't want to listen to what an artificially intelligent machine wrote in a news article. A lot of news articles now are written by AI. And I don't want to listen to what news media says. And I don't want to listen to what maybe local officials say, I want to go to the source of the information from whence they are deriving the details for what they say. So if they tell me I need to wear a mask to be safe, I'm going to go read the mask studies. And I find that all the mask studies that have been conducted in a variety of settings, a lot of them laboratory, and even those that are in the real world, show that there's no evidence whatsoever that masks protect you and that masks, if anything, actually can create a more dangerous environment for those who wear them consistently. That's what the medical research says. That's what the science says. And yet people still tell me, no, you're wrong, because authority told me. 
yet authority is supposed to be the figure that creates the science. They do the science, right? That's, that's what we hear all the time. Science is real. All right, if science is, is real, we should maybe listen to what the science is telling us. We should listen to what the doctors are telling us. I mean, for that matter, let's listen to what the CDC says, or let's listen to what the WHO says. They contradict themselves. Science can't be that sound then, can it? Joining us tonight to talk about these and other things are two of my favorite guests, Don Lester and David Parker. They are the authors of What Really Makes You Ill, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease Is Wrong. Don Lester, David Parker, welcome back to The Secret Teachings. Thank you, Ryan. It's good to be here again. Yes, always a pleasure to speak to you, and it's, uh, it is really good to be back. So uh, thank you for inviting us back to your show. You are very welcome. It's my pleasure to have you both on the broadcast again this evening. One of the things that I really enjoyed about your book was that everything is referenced. It's just reference after reference after reference after reference. And I kind of find it interesting that when I look at something health-related or science-related, I go and I look at mask studies or I go and look at the chemicals that are being used to kill COVID-19, and I find all these reports that show that the chemicals are toxic, the chemicals are causing the symptoms of COVID-19, masks are dangerous, and yet the scientists are still telling us and the doctors are still telling us, no, these are the things that you need to do. Why is it that the authorities tell us something different than what the science tells us, yet they're supposed to be the the arbitrators of, of, of science and the scientific method? This doesn't make any, sen- any sense at all to me. Your book demonstrates how the entire medical establishment is just fallacious and erroneous and disingenuous, and it's mostly in their own words and writing. I find that astounding. Well, it is. And, uh, of course, that was really the basis that uh, kicked off our book and uh, why we've given it the uh, sort of fairly controversial and in-your-face title, um, because that's that's the, the state of things. And I'm pretty sure that... Um, Anyone who listens to your show regularly and certainly to to your introduction, which is pretty comprehensive with the various excerpts that you've got there, will realize that for a long, long time, um, we, the general public, have been lied to by the so-called authorities on just about anything of any importance. In fact, I'd go further. I would say we've been lied to on anything of any importance, and that doesn't matter what it is. Now, the subject we covered, of course, Uh, at some length in our uh, tome, (laughs) Um, it was the medical system. But um, as you know, because you you have the book, um, we sort of start to expand on that. We show how uh, the medical system that we'd all believed was true and based on science isn't. Uh, And we sort of expand as you go through the book into sort of uh, some of the reasons as to why that is, not only the sort of false education that... uh, doctors get, uh, but also the we look at the vested interests that are behind uh, propagating and perpetuating these lies. You know, it's not just the money. I mean, everyone knows that the pharmaceutical companies make vast amounts of money uh, selling their toxic products, um, but, it, but it's more than that. Um, there is, and we're seeing it now with this... Uh, uh, COVID-19 nonsense, um, the people, I think, are waking up to realize that there's more behind it. You know, they can see that uh, just the things that the governments around the world have done, how they've all worked in concert all at the same time, 
and have applied sort of rules and regulations which don't make any sense. Now, there's a, a hidden agenda to this, but, but it's becoming less hidden as people wake up and can see. You know, we've demonstrated in our book and, I, and many others have uh, looked as well to realise if we just take the COVID thing, that there is no virus behind it. There is no pathogenic particle of any sort that is making people ill. Um, so you have to ask yourself, so what, what is going off? And bearing in mind of what I've just said, then you have to understand and people have to understand that there's a, um, an agenda behind it. And the only agenda that we can see, and we have looked at it, is about control. There's a, uh, an exercise going on in how to control the public. And some of the outward signs, and I believe that wearing masks is one of them, where they, it gives the these people who are behind this uh, farce, it gives them an outward indication of how much of the world public they've uh, got under their control, if you like. It's an outward sign that's easy to see for them how many people are wearing masks whenever they say, oh, you've got to wear a mask, you've got to maintain two, two metres distance between people. Uh, all of these things, they're... It's a piece of social engineering where they can easily keep tabs on people and see just how effective their lies are. Now, if everyone turned around and just refused to wear the masks, then that gives them a, a, a piece of feedback straight away to say, oh, you know, it's not working. You know, the people don't believe us. So it's really important that uh, people realize what's, how they're be, being socially engineered. Well, that, that's why and, you... Uh, that's why you have to have a second wave and a third wave and it's going to be with us forever and it comes back and the antibodies don't protect you. Constant Absolutely. state of fear. Yeah. And the, so they're, they're setting up, the, it's, a, it's a piece of social engineering, not only to control people. That's all it's about. It's about controlling people. And of course, worse than that, if they can bring in this uh, vaccination that they would like to bring in, which we know anyone who's looked into this even a little will realize that vaccinations don't do any good. There's no scientific evidence to prove that vaccinations do any good whatsoever, but there's plenty of evidence to show that they do lots of harm. So this new one that they're going to bring in to fight a non-existent virus, um, you know very well what you're going to get. It's not going to do any good and it could be engineered to do a lot more harm. It will do harm or anything that starts being injected into your bloodstream will will do harm. And uh, there's all sorts of uh, scare stories as to what might be in this vaccine when they launch it. Um, not all of what we'd agree with, but we do know for certain that it will not do anyone any good. Uh, and it may be it may be as sinister as some people say it may be designed to um, make people even more ill. It may be designed to make people so ill that there are a high level of deaths, all of which they can very conveniently blame on some new disease. Um, but that's that's just speculation. But we do know that no vaccinations do any good. So people have to be really aware of what's going off at the moment because we've never, never experienced anything like that in any of our lifetimes or any uh, recorded history that we've come across where the world governments have uh, done something like this uh, before so it's it's a really a special time and uh, I, th I still am optimistic that if people wake up in enough numbers that uh, they can push back and I'm again I'm not talking violently but we can push back to uh, stop this 
progressing any further. I, I think you, I think negligence. Oh, go ahead, Don. Now, what I was going to say is you can tell that it's a collusion because uh, all countries are doing pretty much the same thing. So uh, th th there's definitely something behind it. Um, the other the other scary part, I was just going to make the point that um, even though the uh, so-called rules um, for wearing masks in shops doesn't start until tomorrow in this country, um, but in the last couple of weeks, it's amazing the increasing numbers of people who I've seen wearing them. Um, not just amazing, but very scary because it shows so many people, you know, as David was saying before, that, you know, sort of um, believing the authority and uh, going along with the propaganda and not having done any of the research but absolutely believing in it and becoming fearful so you know people are wearing them even though they're not um uh, it's it's not a rule yet it's just um incredibly higher uh, much higher numbers of people or proportions of people wearing them and it's uh, not good but you know we know there are plenty of people still not wearing them so we, as David was saying you know we're hopeful that uh, this information will keep going out and keep getting to more people yeah, you know, here in the United States and here in New York, I'm in New York State, upstate New York, it's been like this since back in like April, early April, and it's been increasingly becoming more dystopian and increasingly more authoritarian. Uh, dystopian in the sense that if you drive out on the interstate, guys, there's uh, there's signs that looks like some zombie movie, It and it went from signs that said, please wear a mask, and they just removed the please, and now it says, wear a mask. And it, wow. it's not even like they're asking you anymore. And so everybody is afraid and everybody's really traumatized. I think a lot of people are suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. But the one thing that astounds me more than anything else, and I think it applies to the individual, as does it the medical establishment, I think negligence is probably a really important word to examine because for the average person, people that I've had interactions with at my job outside of radio, I have a part-time job, the people that have complained the most about me not wearing a mask are the ones that smoke cigarettes and the ones that eat, literally, that eat candy for breakfast. But they're concerned over me not wearing a mask and they're telling me that I'm going to get them sick. This is very backwards, obviously. <laughs> oh, completely backwards. I mean, um, there's been more than enough evidence for decades uh, that smoking is not good for your health. Um, but obviously, they're not prepared to take any notice of that when there's certainly evidence and more than enough of it. Uh, but they'll go along with the fear mongering of uh, this, this non-existent virus and, and absolutely believe in it. But of course, it allows them to carry on with their bad habits um, and just blame their any health problems they've got on some kind of virus. I mean, um, it, it's it's dreadful the um, the fact that it's taking it's stopping people from looking into it. So is that what you mean by negligence in not even bothering to to look at the topic and and just going straight for believing the authorities? I, I yeah, it doesn't it doesn't take it doesn't take much. Uh, I mean, we know in the UK, it's not very many weeks ago that the government, the UK government's own scientists were saying. Uh, you know, the masks don't do any good. You know, they're not going to protect you against uh, any, you know, they were still believing in viruses, of course, but they were admitting that uh, the masks, because of the mesh size of a mask, uh, which are generally in uh, micrometers, and of course, uh, these viral particles are measured in sort of nanometers, you know, a nanometer being a thousand times smaller than a micrometer. Yeah, they go right through. 
so they'd go right through you know so it's it doesn't take much to be able to realize that the masks aren't going to stop anything but worse than that you know again and this is from their own sort of uh, beliefs uh, that um, virus particles can enter a human through their eyes sorry through their eyes so the mask over the nose and mouth wouldn't stop a virus entering your body anyway according to their so then they of course came up with the face shields uh, so you've got a complete perspex shield over your face. I don't know whether this has happened in the States, but it's certainly become popular in the UK. It has. Um, but then what you've got is people are wearing the face shields, but not the masks. So, you know, you have to ask, well, where do they think they're getting the, the air from that they're breathing? You know, it's coming <laughs> straight in. Uh, and you just think, my God, you know, people are, I sometimes despair at uh, the sort of stupidity and uh, illogical nature of how some people think. You know? Or lack, it's lack of thinking. Uh, if they actually stopped for, for a minute, they'd realise that the air was coming around the size of their facial screens. Um, yeah. But some people believe, absolutely believe, that it protects them. Yeah. Did they put up those I mean, plastic plastic barriers in the grocery stores there in mm, front of the cashier? Yeah. Okay. yeah we, we... Oh, yeah, plenty of those, yes. And, and, and uh, over the course of weeks, each time, um, you know, you go into the uh, supermarket, there would be more screens and and then they have every other um, cash desk is, is closed. And in the um, parts where, you you know, you can do it yourself, uh, every every other one of those is, is closed so that, you know, you can maintain your distance. Um, but people are walking past each other in the aisles. Um, it's it is bizarre. Uh, is a polite word for it. I mean, it's it's quite scary otherwise. Um, but there are still people who are not wearing masks. There's still hope. Well, there's two of them are here. <laughs> so and we, I suspect one the other side is. Yes, well. there's yeah, three here tonight. Yeah. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting tomorrow, as Dawn said, when uh, the government sort of tried to step it up here again in the UK and say that as from tomorrow, um, everyone's got to wear masks when they in the supermarkets, okay? Or in all uh, shops. Uh, or, sorry, in all shops, yeah. The fact that it's obviously been okay for the last few months, um, but suddenly it isn't, even though they admit, according to their figures, that the infection rate has gone down in the country. But now they decide everyone's got to wear masks as they go into shops. But um, there's supposed to be exceptions made if you say that you've got a um, health condition with them because of a, of a health uh, problem so obviously um, if forced to we'll we will have to use that you know on the basis that uh, wear a mask makes us sick it certainly the well, idea of it certainly makes me sick so I think that's fair enough <laughs> very uh, true very um, true to not <laughs> to not want to wear a mask so we'll see how and you know with uh, certainly with some information that you sent us uh, which sort of corroborated what we already know about the uh, supposed disinfectant gels that they want you to put on your hands as well, you know, are very toxic toxic in themselves. So, you know, if um, people keep using these gels in copious amounts, which we've seen them doing, they're soon going to make themselves sick. And of course, then they'll go, oh, well, it's, uh, you know, I've, I'm, it's COVID-19 has made me sick. And of course, all the authorities will agree with them uh, rather than thinking, no, you've actually poisoned yourself over the last few weeks with rubbing this toxic waste all over your hands um so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy then it, exactly and you know what i i did send you guys uh two emails i sent you one with the qacs the quaternary ammonium compounds and then one about the masks yes yes 
it's astounding. I'm not a yes. scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a chemist, a biologist. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a legal scholar. All I do is read. And in their own writings, it says, if you have a mask on, it protects a patient in a surgical setting. All the studies say this from basically sneezing into an open wound. Otherwise, the mask is, is useless in these settings. And if you wear an N95, they say it reduces your inhaling of pathogenic particles, but they're one, assuming that, and two, it reduces the inhalation because an N95 prevents you from breathing. So, of course, it's going to prevent you from breathing anything in as well as exhaling beyond the mask. So this is in their own reports. And then the chemical reports on the QACs, the quaternary ammonium compounds, they say that the, the top symptoms of exposure to these ammonium chloride compounds are contact dermatitis, skin rash, which is also a symptom of covid uh, according to our CDC, and the primary thing is inflammation of the lungs. So you're right. If I spray this stuff, I start coughing, I get a skin rash, I've, I get dizzy, I get a headache from wearing a mask. These are all symptoms of COVID-19, which, which, by the way, our CDC says sneezing, coughing. Uh, I think they said so basically anything that happens when you have inflammation of the airways, any inflammation of the nose, all of these things, natural responses to irritants are all symptoms of COVID-19. Our CDC now says everything that's human is a symptom of COVID-19. They're, they're, they're at this point now. Yeah. Oh, so yes, I've seen the expansion of all the different um, symptoms. I mean, some of them are just absolutely bizarre. And yet nowhere ever do they provide any evidence that uh, even if a particle called a virus did exist, that it was capable of producing all these different symptoms. I mean, it's just absolutely astounding that it's taken on, um, you know, uh, just belief that uh, this tiny particle can do um, so much damage in so many different ways. And, and suddenly they're finding all these new symptoms. Oh, well, we can add this. And, and like you say, it's, it's just anything and everything is now being blamed on this virus. But yes, I mean, you're right. It's, it is using this kind of thing for uh, an excuse for later on down the line to bring out a, um, you know, a second wave and said, oh, well, you know, you wanted to go back to work. You wanted to go back out and meet people. You wanted to go and, uh, you know, be on the beach. Uh, yes, on the beach. And, and, and you and some of you didn't want to wear masks so it's all your fault and yes and now everyone's ill but as you say i mean the uh, what they're more likely to be ill from if this second wave or whatever it is that does sort of come along is quite often um going to be the result of wearing masks and using these sanitizers and, and the and chemicals these disinfectants yeah. exactly mm -hmm. they're already telling us we're in the second wave for a couple of months now at least in in places like new york and i find it interesting that here in new york state in the united states New York probably had the most strict measures implemented for cleaning and masks, and we had the highest number of cases and deaths, but other states like South Dakota didn't do anything, and they're all back to work and having a good time. So clearly yeah. something is amiss. Don yeah, Lester, David Parker on the broadcast with us this evening. What's the book? Where can listeners get it? Sorry, the, the book... Uh, uh, what? <laughs> what? What really makes you ill? Sorry, I was good off guard there. No, it's okay. Uh, what We're... really makes you ill? Why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong. And uh, you can get it from any Amazon outlet. Um, and there's quite a few online bookstores that are stocking it as well. So, uh, it, And there's also a Kindle version. 
Um, so there's uh, you can get it from quite a few places. Excellent. And more information on the website, www.whatreallymakesyouill.com. Yeah, I didn't mean to catch you off guard that we're just going to break. We'll be back in a second. Don Lester, David Parker, What Really Makes You Ill. Get a copy of this book. Read it. It's amazing. Stay tuned to The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. Here at The Secret Teachings, we're pushing 11 years on air. From powerful interviews to truly unique analysis, we're here for you five nights a week. And now we can also be with you whenever you want to listen. Just subscribe to our archive today and get access to stream and download every show after it airs. Your subscription also includes access on the site to my books, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir, along with my original books that many people have been asking for, The Grand Illusion, The Persistent Illusion, and False Prophets. We are also growing our montage archive, which will be available on the site for subscribers to listen. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info, click on the Donate or Subscribe tab at the top of the page, and become a member today. Even if you aren't a member, though, you can access certain select shows in our free archive and grab a free show released every week on the site. Otherwise, catch us Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio Show, and you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Check out my show, The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, right here on The Fringe, 11 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern, U.S. time. I swallowed some apple seeds today. Make yourself throw up. I tried, but I couldn't. Smoke some cigarettes. The smoke will suffocate the bacteria in your stomach. Okay, thanks. At BASF, we don't make the sunscreen. We make it extremely toxic. We don't make a lot of the products you buy. We make a lot of the products you buy better. BASF, the chemical company. Nine out of ten doctors choose us. Four out of five dentists surveyed would recommend Trident to their patients who chew gum. But what about the fifth dentist? That lead paint is extremely toxic. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Kill germs for nearly 100 years. That's because only Clorox toilet bowl cleaners are toxic by Clorox bleach. And for an even toxic clean, try the Clorox toilet bowl. Germ, germ, germs. As the clean beauty movement continues to grow and more people are deceived on the ingredients they apply to their skin, the potential long-term consequences could mount. In a repeated national survey, doctors in all branches of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? I'm not a doctor. Once again, the brand named most was Camel. You lie! Are you aware that you could go to prison 
Will impersonating a doctor? I'm not a doctor. Four out of five dentists. Nine out of ten doctors. Survey would recommend Trident to their patients who chew gum. But what about the fifth dentist? Yes, according to this repeated, 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 repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. I'm not a doctor. The terms clean and natural are used interchangeably like safe, green, and non-toxic. Even though these products claim to be a healthier choice, it's all minimally regulated. That lead paint is extremely toxic. But toxicologists say it's really the dose that makes the poison. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. Tonight on the broadcast, Don Lester, David Parker, What Really Makes You Ill, the book, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease is Wrong. Really got to chuckle out of that montage. I stayed up and made that late last night. A lot of good clips, a lot of good compilations there. Don Lester, David Parker, we started out with a little general introduction tonight, but where would you two like to take it? We have one more break after this, and then we'll go breakless in the final hour because there's obviously so much that we could talk about. Your book alone is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages, so we won't be able to get to everything again. But where would you like to begin this next segment tonight? Okay. Um, I I think um, I'd like to sort of have a, a little bit of a chat about um, the sort of mental effects that uh, the uh, situ- the present situation is uh, creating. And without going into it too much, but just to sort of touch on a few points, um, I think everyone's aware that uh, it's causing a lot of stress to people. And as we point out in our book, um, stress and continued stress, which is what's happening, um, uh, causes the release of free radicals in large amounts. And unless these are mocked up by the body's systems, they start to cause tissue damage at a cellular level. Uh, And then, you know, if not attended to, will cause organ damage and all sorts of other serious illnesses. And we we explain this in our book and how to uh, combat that and prevent it. But of course, it makes you well, it certainly made us ask the question whether the amount of stress and prolonged stress that's being uh, inflicted on people by this situation is also an intended um, method that these uh, people, I'll choose my words carefully, these people that are behind uh, this um, pandemic, uh, that that's also intentional because it will make more people ill, as we know, I think both in the States in the UK, suicide rates have gone up, uh, rates of depression, all of these things. So, and those are just the real outward signs, uh, which are never talked about by the media, because as we know, the media is uh, complicit in all of this without the media doing what it's been doing. Again, propagating these lies to people, they, w- they wouldn't have got away with it as much. So there's this, and the media's pumping out continuously um, these sort of depressing things about you know that these germs are there there's a virus going to get you've got to do this that and the other it's getting worse the figures have gone up more people are dying it's continuous pressure on people and and that is having a very dire effect and and i think again that's part of this plan that makes people ill and and causes more deaths so 
people are, again, it's very important, and we can talk about the placebo effect, which is a, a well-known, uh, even in medical terms, the placebo effect is a well-known uh, characteristic, which is used by the medical establishment. You know, people have probably heard of the placebo pill, where in certain trials, um, they'll give one group of people their new uh, medicine, shall we say, and a trial group, um, basically a placebo pill, which is probably just a sugar pill. But of course, that group doesn't know it. And uh, they can get astounding results where, you know, the control group with the placebo pill, thinking they're getting the medicine, can have just as good a results as the people uh, who have taken the actual medicine or, or adverse effects, as the case may be. Um, and there's lots of cases of this, um, both in the medical annals and uh, in other reports. So coming back to what I'm saying, if you've got the media and the government pumping out this disinformation, which is going to make people feel that uh, they could get this virus at any time, you know, if they just happen to be in the wrong place, it's all around them and they'll catch something and get very ill, then the placebo effect can kick in on this and of course they can become ill uh, purely because of their mental belief in this and you know and this is no exaggeration I mean people um, there are results where people have died just by and it's known in medical fields as dying of the diagnosis you know where a doctor can uh, say to a patient who has got some illness that uh, it's terminal and um, you know, they might have a couple of months to live. And uh, it's very often the case where that person will die within that time period. And we were looking at a case only the other day where, you know, some people may say, well, okay, that person died, but that just shows that the doctor, how accurate he was. But uh, this particular case in post-mortem, they could see that there was actually no physical, physiological reason why that person would have died in that time frame. So, they died of the diagnosis because that's what they believed was going to happen so, to them. So it literally is just, the power of belief. It's the power of belief. And so it's very concerning that, you know, even we were talking about a second wave, a third wave, on the BBC in the UK, they're talking about it, uh, oh, it'll be with us forever now. So it's not just a case of first and second wave. We, This is going to be with us forever. And, uh, we, you know, it's... Uh, the new norm, you know, uh, which is a term I hate and refuse to accept. Um, so you can see what their plan is. And of course, people will get ill and die um, because of the belief system. So it's very important that people start to realize that they've been lied to, that this isn't the case. One is there's no physical reason why they should get ill because there is no virus to make them ill. And to mentally... Um, protect themselves against the constant barrage of bad news coming from the media. You know, you, as some commentators have already said, you're better off not to watch the television at all because it's not just on the news that you're getting this or through papers and magazines. It's very insidious. They feed it into sort of so-called entertainment programs. And uh, so you're almost better off, well, you are better off not watching television at all. I think... Um, I'm trying to think of someone said to me the other day why in a certain area, certain country, they had less instances of uh, COVID-19. And they said it's because we don't have television, um, which was an interesting point. So um, I, I do think it really does have a, a bad effect. And uh, because of, I don't know how many of your 
listeners uh, understand the more sort of esoteric side of the nature of reality, but without going into it too deeply, um, with it being a, a state of consciousness, you know, we our beliefs create our experiences. So if we constantly believe that we're going to have this bad experience or that bad experience, um, we, it can be created, it can appear within our experiences. So it's again very important for people to have a much more positive outlook and to be more optimistic and expect the best, as well as because we're in a reality where you, you need to take uh, action. You know, It's not just a case of sitting in, in your house and uh, expecting everything to be fine. You know, this is a state of reality where we do have to take some actions. And again, I'm talking about nonviolent things, but to take positive actions, which might be not wearing a mask, you know, things that you know that are, are, are bad is to make some sort of resistance or to when you get the opportunity to speak to a neighbor or friend and to try and give them some uh, correct information. So uh, rather than them being scared, I know this is not easy. Uh, believe me, we <laughs> we talk to lots of people and people are very, very resistant to it in some cases. So without spending a long time with them, um, you're, they're either going to have closed off their minds or they're going to become angry with you and see you as the enemy. So we know it's very difficult. Right. So you have to, you have to pick your battles and know just how far you can go. But I think it's... Uh, important as part of this pushback that people try wherever they can or whether they can see an opening where they try and get a little bit of information in or recommend uh, like listening to this podcast or going to our website or others that where they people can go and get a bit more information and hopefully wake them up so that it relieves the mental pressure on them and can also guide them to somewhere where they can uh, live a healthier life and realize that uh, they're not going to get it by going to the pharmaceutical companies or the chemists, and they're certainly not going to get good information from the authorities in whatever shape or form that takes. Right. It resides, the power does, in the person, the individual. And there's a couple of things I want to touch on that you just mentioned, and we'll go to Don and see what her comments, her thoughts are for this segment. The word normalize. I was doing a show about two weeks ago, and I was looking at propaganda and how propaganda works. And I came across this interview by an ex-Soviet Union KGB officer named Yuri Brezhnev. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this interview with uh, G. Edward Griffin. And the interview, you, you have heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about how the word normal, they use the word normalization or normalized as part of their propaganda campaign when they would go into a country and occupy it. When they took it over, they would say, now the situation is normalized. So this word normal in the context that it's being used is an old Soviet Union piece of propaganda, and it's being used all over the world today. The other thing is when you talk about media, I don't know if you guys have seen this in the United States, but it is astounding. The, the, not just the bias. It's not even bias. I don't know what to call it. It's I'm not a political person. I don't necessarily get involved in a political process, so I'm not for or against anybody per se. But I got to tell you what, when I see protests against the current president of the United States, and then I see protests for other things, and I hear the media say that people that are protesting against the president are not spreading the virus when they don't wear a mask. But if you're outside and you're supporting the president at a rally, 
they called them in our media super spreaders for not wearing a mask. So somehow two groups of people, protesters that protest for police violence or something like that, they're not spreading the virus. But if I go to a campaign rally for a president, I am spreading the the, the, the virus. I mean, this is this isn't even kind of sort of what's going on. This is literally what our media is telling people. What is that? Amazing. I mean, we, I mean, that is amazing. I mean, you just think, you know, if people just stop to think for a little while, they can see what nonsense is being fed to them. I mean, we've got one of the, something similar to that, that our government put out only a few days ago when they were bringing in this, uh, oh, now you've got to wear masks to go shopping at the, any of the supermarkets or wherever. But apparently, because that's got to that's going to protect you from covid but of course. when you're in the when you're in the office uh, you don't need to wear the mask <laughs> so you can have the same group of people <laughs> in very close proximity in the office but now you don't want to wear a mask because apparently you're not going to get the virus there but you will when you go to get your carrots and potatoes uh, in the supermarket, you just think, well, like, you know, where's where's there any sense in that? <laughs> well, you, you know, these uh, you said something in the last segment, David, about how uh, there seems to be collusion. I think Don, you mentioned the same thing. There seems to be collusion amongst governments and world leaders and organizations. And I wanted to point something out here in the U.S. It was in the state of Georgia. Walmart began, uh, I guess, their new policy. They call it to ban people from their store who don't wear a mask, regardless of what a governor in any state in the U.S. says. So even if a governor says you don't need to wear a mask, Walmart says you can't come in unless you have a mask. So I read that story, and I looked at the sign that Walmart had put outside of their store, and it says everybody's required to wear a mask, whether you work there or whether you're just a customer. And I said, okay, you know, that's the same sign they've had outside of their store the whole time. So what's this new policy? They're going to kick people out? Well, if you read the fine print below the, the, the main part of the sign, it says, except for children under two, young kids, and people with health conditions. And so I read that and thought, well, again, that's the exact same thing that they've been saying the whole time. So what is this new policy? And so I read this, uh, this other thing. I read the updated New York State Health Code, and I read the update to the governor's executive order from a couple of months ago. And they've, they've added to the executive order that businesses can refuse your service if you don't have a mask. However, it has to be in line with state and federal law, regulation, and rule, meaning that you can't refuse service if someone has a medical condition. But, and they define that, by the way, as... Anything from I don't want to wear the mask because I don't like strings around my ears, literally in one state it says that, to it gives me anxiety, to I have a breathing problem, and anything in between. So from the corporate level to the state level, there's a legal loophole there because they know that it's a dangerous thing based on the science to force someone to wear a mask consistently, especially if they have a medical condition, and they can't force you to do it. And all it took me was like a few minutes to read a study and read the sign and read the state law. It didn't take a long time to figure it out, but because other people don't read, they tell me that I'm wrong. It's a little bit frustrating. Uh, yes, I mean that that's uh, that hits a core core problem uh, or, or a core issue with with all of this that. Um, 
people are getting are so you i mean it's it's been going on for for years uh, people are so used to getting these sound bites and headlines and that's really what they look at and they tend not to necessarily read a whole article uh, or they skim read um and they don't necessarily look at uh, the links provided in an, in an article they don't do uh, a, a thorough job of actually looking at everything connected with that um, with that issue and so they will only get the little bits of information and uh, you know if only more people were like you and and thought right okay I'm going to look at this um, and that takes me back to um, something you said right at the very beginning you know talking about contradictions and that was one of um, the key things that that we found that, that struck us that with uh, a lot of what we were uh, researching, we discovered that um, there were an enormous number of contradictions in things that they were uh, saying, or uh, there were certain things um, that the medical establishment said that, you know, that they didn't fully understand um, if you looked in the papers. But if you look at the headlines, the headlines makes out as if they know everything and it's all fact. So uh, it does require people to do more than just read a few headlines and, and listen to a few um, uh, sound bites in, in these reports, but people, are, you know, I don't know how we take that step to get people to, to look at the next step to really think, take, uh, you know, take some more interest and, and say, well, hang on a minute, that doesn't quite make sense. You know, this doesn't, uh, th this rule doesn't apply. Why have they changed it? Why have they made it different? Because it was okay last last week. What's different? You know, you're not seeing lots of people suddenly ill around you. I mean, yes, there are lots of people who are ill, but um, not necessarily worse that requires these extra um, uh, restrictions and limitations on what we can do. So it, it's... It really is an exercise in, in getting people or encouraging people to read, to look further, to delve deeper, to ask questions, not to be afraid to ask questions or if somebody's saying something. And um, and I, I know stores uh, like anywhere, you know, can actually refuse you admission. Um, so I suppose there are there are certain um stores that may say well you know we have the right not to let you in um, but i'm sure not every shop is going to refuse customers because they won't they won't stay open very long i, I think it's important that people challenge it and, mm. uh, and this is going to be happening on because i'm going to be one of those people challenging it over the next few days when they try to uh, make me wear a mask to go in a shop which i'm not going to do so uh, so i'm going to uh, going to challenge it and just see how far i can take it and uh, um and and see what happens because uh, they can't really enforce it. I know from, if you like, inside information that the in the UK that is the police are not interested in getting involved. Uh, strictly speaking, how the law is in the UK, this is not a criminal law. So if you refuse to wear a mask, the government would have you believe that the storekeeper can call the police and they can come along and arrest you and fine you. And this is all scare tactics because I know from information I have from the police that uh, that's not the case. That one is the police have no will to do this. They don't want to be involved in it. And two is their job is to enforce criminal law. And this wearing of masks would come under civil law. So it's not something that's in, actually in their jurisdiction in the UK. And they actually have great sympathy with the people because... Uh, it's really outside their remit to 
um, enforce things on the people in this way. It's not something they want to do. And so I know, as I say, from things I'm told by the police, that uh, they will be very reluctant to ever ever turn up. If should a shopkeeper ring them up and saying, I've got a person here who's refusing to wear a mask, you know, can you come along and arrest them? They're likely to get short shrift from the police who will just not not appear. So uh, the shopkeeper is not going to get much support. Right. I'm not I'm not too well versed in your laws over there, but I can tell you that the laws here in the United States, what's legal and what's lawful, there is a difference between the two, of course is that it's the opposite. They tell us the same thing here. They tell us that if a business refuses you service because you're not wearing a mask and they kick you out and you refuse to leave, they can call the police. In some places, they say they can fine you, they can put you in jail. It's actually the opposite. If a business refuses you service because you have a medical condition, even if that medical condition is, I don't want to wear a mask, I have anxiety, the store can be fined $75,000 through the Department of Justice for a violation of federal law under ADA, and for a second violation, and those violations could occur on the same day, it's a $150,000 fine. You can get a lawyer and you can sue them for violating federal law on top of that, and that is all based on the, 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 the federal law and also constitutional law that you are a protected person and you have rights as an individual and other people cannot violate those rights to force you to do something that is demonstrably harmful to your health. But you're right, David. Everything is fear. We'll arrest you. We'll take you to jail. Police could. Police may. They use those words. They could arrest yeah. you. They may arrest you. But they won't. They won't. And, uh, and I think, from what you've just said, I, I do believe that it, it's something very similar here, that if you claim to have a medical condition and you don't have to explain to them what it is because you know it's a bit it's a bit like the confessional you know it's just between you and your doctor so they have no rights to ask you and you don't need to tell them you just need to tell them you have a medical condition that prevents you from wearing a mask and they ha- should have to accept that um, as far as I know but as I say that's something I'm going to test out over the next few days and see how far I can get with it um, and then encourage other people to do the same. So uh, we shall see. And I think I think the government here in the UK is starting to realise that uh, they may have shot themselves in the foot with this because just within the last day, I've heard uh, through one of the news medias that they, they the government seems to be backpedalling a little bit rather than now saying, oh, you've got to wear a mask and the police will come along and arrest you and fine you. Now they're saying, well... You know, they're recognizing that um, if you don't want to wear a mask, so long as you maintain your uh, social distance, then uh, that will be okay. So that's definitely a backward step that they've taken. And you have to ask yourself, I think they're starting to realize that uh, people are really getting hacked off with these stupid rules and they're seeing them as being stupid rules. And uh, they're they're going to have, uh, you know, um, a big dose of civil disobedience which, of course, will severely embarrass the government and they'll realise that they're losing their power, uh, and which is a good thing. So it, it's going to be a very interesting uh, few days uh, in the UK, starting from tomorrow. So, uh, I, I want to know what happens with that. You'll have to let me know Yeah, what happens to you, too. Yeah. Hey, Don, well, if you want, you want to add a comment, then we'll have a break. 
Yeah, no, I was just going to say one of the scariest things, uh, and I think it's it's been happening more in the States than, than here um, yet, because it's not been a rule, where it's not necessarily the uh, store owners or shopkeepers who are uh, causing people not wearing a mask. Is it to, the customer? It's the other customers, the other shoppers, the people wearing masks that are being abusive to people who are not. I mean, that is just absolutely astounding. Can you imagine you- if it, if someone was in a wheelchair or if someone was deaf or someone were, were blind and someone was harassing them at a store? It's the same thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that will need to be pointed out to these people that it is actually them that are breaking the law because they're abusing someone because of their uh, health condition, which is illegal uh, in the UK as well. So, you know, it's uh, it's not the person not wearing the mask that's going to be uh, taken away by the police. It's the person abusing them. So I think uh, that needs to be made clear. Isn't it to do with discrimination? Yeah, it's discrimination, yeah. and there's strict laws against that, mm-hmm. even in the UK, no. that don't really give the public much protection at all. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. As I say, I may have to go through all of these uh, measures over the next few days and see where it takes me. I've had to go through them through, uh, through them too, and for me it's been kind of an empowering thing to uh, to learn about, to read about, and to do shows on, and I think it's empowered and helped other people. I know that's also what your book has done, What Really Makes You Ill. I learned a lot of stuff in this book, one of my favorite books now, What Really Makes You Ill. Where can the listeners get it? Certainly from all the Amazon outlets, wherever you are, whichever country you're in, um, and some of the online bookstores as well. And you can also get a Kindle version uh, because we know some countries like Australia, for some reason, are having difficulty getting the physical book, but they can get the uh, the Kindle version, obviously, instantly. So, uh, yeah, it depends where you are. But, uh, yeah, it's worldwide. It's available worldwide. All right. What really makes you ill? Don Lester, David Parker, right here on The Secret Teachings. Next hour, no break. One hour full of groundbreaking, powerful profound information right here on the broadcast on the fringe fm don't go anywhere we'll be back and we're going to shift up the conversation a little bit this is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. Here at The Secret Teachings, we're pushing 11 years on air. From powerful interviews to truly unique analysis, we're here for you five nights a week. And now we can also be with you whenever you want to listen. Just subscribe to our archive today and get access to stream and download every show after it airs. Your subscription also includes access on the site to my books, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir, along with my original books that many people have been asking for, The Grand Illusion, The Persistent Illusion, and False Prophets. We are also growing our montage archive, which will be available on the site for subscribers to listen. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info, click on the Donate or Subscribe tab at the top of the page, and become a member today. Even if you aren't a member, though, you can access certain select shows in our free archive and grab a free show released every week on the site. 
Otherwise, catch us Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. The truth is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio Show, and you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Check out my show, The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, right here on The Fringe, 11 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern, U.S. time. Hi, this is Andrew Kaufman, M.D. I'm a natural healing consultant. Please contact me on my website at andrewkaufmanmd.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. This is Zen Honeycutt, founder and director of Moms Across America. Our website is momsacrossamerica.org, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings. I swallowed some apple seeds today. Did you make yourself throw up? I tried, but I couldn't. Smoke some cigarettes. The smoke will suffocate the bacteria in your stomach. Okay, thanks. At BASF, we don't make the sunscreen. We make it extremely toxic. We don't make a lot of the products you buy. We make a lot of the products you buy better. BASF, the chemical company. Nine out of ten doctors choose us. Four out of five dentists surveyed would recommend Trident to their patients who chew gum. But what about the fifth dentist? That lid paint is extremely toxic. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Kill germs for nearly 100 years. That's because only Clorox toilet bowl cleaners are toxic by Clorox bleach. And for an even toxic clean, try the Clorox toilet bowl. Germ, germ, germs. As the clean beauty movement continues to grow and more people are deceived on the ingredients they apply to their skin, the potential long-term consequences could mount. In a repeated national survey, doctors in all branches of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? I'm not a doctor. Once again, the brand named most was Camel. You lie! Are you aware that you could go to prison? We're impersonating a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Four out of five dentists, nine out of ten doctors surveyed would recommend Trident to their patients who chew gum. But what about the fifth dentist? Yes, according to this repeated, 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 repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. I'm not a doctor. The terms clean and natural are used interchangeably like safe, green, and non-toxic. Even though these products claim to be a healthier choice, it's all minimally regulated. That lead paint is extremely toxic. The toxicologists say it's really the dose that makes the poison. Dude, I'm having a panic attack. I'm actually having a panic attack. Will you sit down there and have another cup of coffee? I am, bro. All right, well, fine. You know what, Barney? Give this guy a cigarette. He's freaking out. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. The email, rdgable at yahoo.com, r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. If you'd like to send us a message, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. You can also send us a message there. You can IM me on my private account, Ryan Gable, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. Again, personal page, Ryan Gable, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's the email. 
and the website once more, www.thesecretteachings.info. If you go into the archive, you'll find a show back in May 2020. It's called What Really Makes You Ill? We had Don Lester, David Parker on the broadcast, authors of the book by that name, What Really Makes You Ill? We talked a lot about germ theory. We talked about pathogens. We talked about bacterium. We talked about what really makes you ill, why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong. We had a lot of really great feedback from that show, as we do on all of our health shows and shows on things relating to nutrition or how to read ingredient labels. And I noticed this new thing stores are either putting these stickers on products or it's pr- primarily businesses that print this on their packaging. They, they take like the USDA organic seal design with the green and the white or the black and the white and they go in and they create a new label that'll just say like this product is natural and but they'll put it in a little usa usda organic uh, label and put it on their product but it's not usda anything as if that implies that it's healthy i guess right it'll just say like this product is healthy or this product contains vitamin A. But if you just glance at it, it looks like it's organic. So of course people are just going to buy it. Oh, it's organic. These chips are organic. They have to be good for me. Little things like that. Because that information is beneficial. It's helped me, whether I've realized those things myself or someone showed me those things. And so I bring that information to the secret teachings and I give it to you so that you can be aware and so that you can make better decisions. And I bring guests on, whether it's Dr. Nancy Appleton or Dr. Kaufman recently, or I bring on Don Lester and David Parker, who are not doctors, to talk about these issues. And one of the things that Don and I were talking about the other day, back and forth in an email exchange, I asked Don what she wanted to talk about on the show, and she brought up something that I don't think a lot of people think of, because, you know, it's just like, why, why would... STDs was the topic. And a lot of people think, well, why why would an STD, how, how would an STD be transferred if it wasn't through sex? And then, you know, it's really obvious after the fact you realize it, and they have a section on this in their book. If you have the book, it's page 542, 543. But it's like, well, they use spermicides for one, and spermicides are pretty toxic. They're meant to kill something, so it's probably going to be poisonous to both the man and the woman. I don't know, Don Lester, David Parker. Don, what do you think about this? STDs, tell us about these. Well, um, yeah, we we get asked about STDs a lot, uh, um, even with people that have got the book, but uh, people who are just inquiring. Uh, so we get a lot of that. So um, it's not surprising when you realize how many tens of millions of people uh, supposedly, and I'll explain why I use that word, supposedly, suffer from sexually transmitted diseases. Um, and I'll explain, obviously, more about that. But let me first allay anyone's fears. And although it sounds controversial, when I say there is no such thing as a sexually transmitted disease, I'll say that again. There is no such thing as a sexually transmitted disease. And I hear a lot of people saying, oh, hold on a minute, you know, we get these, uh, you know, I know, well, often it's, I know someone, <laughs> because they don't want to say, well, actually, I get these blisters uh, in the genital area from time to time. And I have a you friend, know, you know, it's a sexually transmitted disease. What, what's that all about? Well, let me explain briefly. 
um, as I say, there is no virus, you know, it's supposed to be the herpes virus, let's say, uh, that is most common that people uh, refer to when they're talking about sexually transmitted diseases. And <clears throat> these uh, little blisters and rashes can come up in the, usually in the genital area, sometimes comes up uh, around the mouth, sometimes uh, on the buttocks. Um, but what these are, because <clears throat> let me just state again, there is no virus has ever been proved to cause any of these things. And the herpes virus, so-called, this is what the medical establishment call it, it's a, it's a particle, uh, and like all of these particles, is non-active. It doesn't do anything, but it's in everyone's body. So therefore, everyone should be suffering from this particular type of uh, STD uh, from time to time, all the time, uh, but they don't. And we also have lots of cases that uh, can be shown where both men and women and children suffer with the same symptoms of blisters in the genital area who have never had sex in their life. So therefore, it, <laughs> that tells you, well, it can't be sexual, sexually transmitted then. So what is going off? Uh, and that's fair enough. Now, again, when people read our book, they will realize that the, the body, the human body, has various methods of eliminating toxic material. And if you can't get it rid of that toxic material, and that can come from whether it's vaccinations or the stuff you're eating, drinking, inhaling, putting on your skin, all of these things, uh, toxins ingress into the body. Now, the body's really good at getting rid of toxic materials, but sometimes it can get overwhelmed, and sometimes it'll elect to get rid of them through the skin. The skin is the largest organ of the body, and so it's a very good way for the body to get rid of things. Now, what happens then is, depending on where the skin rashes or blisters or lesions come up, the medical establishment just gives it a different name. So it might come up in one area and they'll call it chicken pox, it might come up in another area and they call it shingles or, uh, or something else. Uh, but when it comes up in the genital area, then they'll they'll call it, uh, you know, or you've got a sexually transmitted disease, herpes or something like that, or uh, syphilis or gonorrhea or, um, uh, and that's just them putting a name on it. But what is happening is it's the body eliminating these toxic materials and it just happens to have elected to eliminate them uh, through that area. It's It really is not because that's where an infection has occurred um, or there's something wrong with that area. It's just that's where it comes out. And those blisters contain the toxic material and they will go away. Um, if, as often happens, people feel they've got to go to the doctors and get some uh, treatment, which the doctor will prescribe for them, which uh, may take down those blisters um, in a few days or so. But what they've done is interfere with the body's natural elimination process. The body's trying to get rid of something. And what you've done is stop it getting rid of it and actually add some more toxins into the body. So what the body will do is a little later, when you've stopped putting the creams and things on, it will try again. And this is then the recur, what people think, oh, it's recurred again. It's aggressing. And they, yeah. And they may think, oh, it's because of some sexual act I've had and blame their partner or <laughs> their one night stand or whatever it is. And... Um, and of course, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy then. It just keeps recurring because they're never allowing the body to get rid of that toxic material. The quickest way if uh, is, is one is 
for people not to think that they've got some disease because they haven't is to realize it's a natural process just because it's coming out in those areas I've mentioned it's nothing to do with sex it's just that's where it happens to come out the human body is not is poorly understood particularly by the medical establishment uh, as to how it operates uh, but people who have studied it will tell you exactly what I'm telling you now. It's not a disease. It's an elimination process. It's natural and should let the body get on with it. If it's quite a severe uh, elimination, the best way to deal with it is to rest uh, fast. You know, uh, don't eat anything. Just take water. Let the body rest maybe for a day or two and let it get the process over with and you'll be fine. Um, but to bear in mind, as I say, no one has ever proved that a virus or bacterium, for that matter, is at the root of any of these so-called sexually transmitted diseases, no matter how sort of gruesome they are portrayed. I mean, we know that uh, syphilis, which is not talked about very much now, uh, but back in the day, as it were, some years ago, um, they used to treat the same sort of thing, but they treat it with some really noxious things, with mercury being one of them, and then wonder why the patient got worse, uh, became insane in many cases, and died, you know, but they blamed a disease which they named syphilis, when it was actually, again, one of those cases where they're, they're dying of the diagnosis and the medication. You know, mercury is one of the most toxic substances on earth. Yeah, if I, uh, if I may, I want to share a personal story, two quick personal stories. One of them is recent. Uh, I try to eat a very, very clean diet. Sometimes I'll get like a raw cacao chocolate bar, and I'll blend it up with some banana frozen, and I'll make like a banana chocolate ice cream. It's just raw cacao, hardly any sugar in it. And when I do that, I think there's a little voice in my head, a little subconscious voice that tells me like, hey, you know, that's a little bit too much sugar. It's not good for you. So if I do that a couple times a week or, you know, once in a while, if I have something that is processed like a rice cake, I think I'm so hard on myself that I get anxious and I get stressed out. And when that happens, just looking back on things that have happened in my life the last couple of years, I always, I always tend to get like a skin irritation or a skin rash or a, you know, a, a pimple here or there. And I look at it and I think, well, that's got to be because I'm eating too much sugar or I'm eating something processed because a little bit compulsive in my head. However, I've noticed that when I reduce my stress and I'm not thinking about that and I can enjoy that little cacao chocolate bar with some banana ice cream or whatever it might be, I don't get any breakout. I don't get any skin rash. But as soon as I feel myself starting to get anxious and stressed, I get a rash on my arms. My neck will you know, become very red. Sometimes I get little bumps. So that's the first quick story. Can stress cause those things? Can stress cause a skin irritation that otherwise might look like your body trying to get rid of something toxic? Or is your body trying to get rid of something toxic with the stress? Well, it could be um, sort of a, a mixture of the two, really. Um, and it's not always easy to know uh, which it might be. But it's it's quite likely if... Um, you know, if you think, well, like you say, you're being a bit hard on yourself and then you treat yourself to something like that and you get a response and you think, oh, no, I, I, sh I shouldn't have done that. Uh, it goes back to what we were talking about before about the, uh, well, the nocebo effect, uh, which is effectively the um, the opposite of the placebo effect. Uh, and it's amazing how those kinds of thoughts can have a, a serious impact um, on your actual health. 
uh, as David was saying um, before, explaining about it, um, as well as the uh, the fear mongering and the stress uh, that can cause all kinds of problems. Uh, literally, the the belief in something being bad for you can actually um, be a self fulfilling prophecy. I mean, there's something uh, there's a phenomenon called uh, voodoo hexing, where uh, in certain places the um, you know the if the head person told some you know put a, a, a curse if you like on on somebody um you know these people uh, some people would actually die because of that with absolutely nothing wrong with them it's no the evil physical. eye sorry the yes yes exactly and and people are absolutely believe in it um, so yes, I mean that's certainly one extreme, which is is not the same as as getting a uh, a reaction to something uh, because you know you've had a bit of chocolate um, or something that's a slightly you know a bit of sugar. The point is when you know that uh, something like sugar uh, does have a, a an adverse effect in your body, then you almost expect that kind of reaction. So uh, again, it's exactly. It's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but at the same time, not to feel bad about it and, and maybe even to, uh, you know, look at the sort of ration to say, well, as long as it's not too uh, uncomfortable for you to just, you know, to look at it and realize that, you know, you, you've kind of helped that to happen and, and not necessarily to have that. But as you say, with the stress, the stress would certainly increase um, that possibility because stress does increase metabolism and increased metabolism does uh, generate higher levels of free radicals which are the damaging um, which are damaging to at the cellular level and so they're more likely to uh, cause these kinds of reactions um, because when cells are damaged uh, they need to be uh, uh, recycled broken down recycled and, and taken out of the body because you know well cells die all the time so cells dying is not something that is a disease causing process they die all the time and so when cells die they need to be removed from the body so um that's one of the processes that uh, is, is all part of the body's normal uh, functions to clean itself up. So it's not too surprising, but maybe, uh, you know, it's not to be so hard on yourself. Um, you know, life is supposed to be enjoyable. <laughs> right. But again, right. it's, 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 using, it's using the knowledge and, um, you know, trying to make the best of it. But, it, um, but the stress absolutely is uh, definitely a, a main factor. I mean, it's one of the four factors we talk about. But it, it's uh, and that's why it's so so uh, such a big concern with what's going on at the moment that so many people are living in this dreadful fear, and of course any uh, symptoms they have are going to be exacerbated by this stress, by this fear because it's prolonged and it's just absolutely uh, day in day out and it's just prolonged and it really can can cause damage. So. Going, going back to your example, I would say the, you know, the stress aspect is is not too surprising. And, and yes, that will be a part of it. it. There's a physical effect from this severe stress, from this emotional impact. And I can, I, I can see it. It's like every couple of days I get more stress, my skin breaks out, then I de-stress, the skin problem goes away. When I, when I was a kid, I was, I was a pretty reserved kid and I was very, I think, isolated and sheltered in a way. So Something like sex was very uncomfortable for me to think about, you know, having sex ed. And when I was a kid, I was, you know, maybe a typical boy. I played a lot of basketball, a lot of sports, and I, I didn't shower a lot. So I had these little tiny, like, pustulates on my legs 
um, thighs. Sometimes they'd go down to my knees, and some, a lot of times they were around the genital area. You know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you straight up, this is exactly what I experienced as a kid. And I was terrified that I was going to be diagnosed with a sexually transmitted disease because we had learned about that in, in our sex ed class. And I was wondering how I got this STD when I had never had sex with anybody. And yeah. it turns out later on in life, when maybe 16 years old, 15, 16, I started to maybe bathe more and take care of myself. And then, you know, into my early 20s, I started eating a lot better. Never had a single problem with any of that ever again. It wasn't an STD. It was I wasn't cleaning my body. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, that's a good example. And uh, and there's lots of uh, cases of, of that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, the medical establishment will class it as an STD, which is nonsense. It's just the body getting rid of stuff. I think we need to learn to trust our bodies, you know, the integrity of our bodies is it will work fine if we treat it fine. Um, but it ha it does have to get rid of stuff. And if it's getting rid of stuff, don't treat it as a problem, particularly. Just realize that the body needs to do that to get it out. It's not because you've got some disease or infection. And one of the things with uh, STD eruptions, shall we say, that people often forget about, you know, because we talk to people and they say, well, you know, I've for quite some time now, I've I've had a good diet, you know, I watch what I eat and what I put on my body. But, you know, I still from time to time get these things and I can't understand where these toxins are coming from. Um, but as we explain in the book, the some of the areas where these toxins can come from are uh, areas that people forget about. And not least of which is anyone with amalgam fillings um, has got in their mouth probably uh, mercury and zinc, uh, some, some other quite noxious things that are actually in their fillings. And these leach out of your fillings on a daily basis. Uh, and most of the time your body's coping with that to get rid of it. But occasionally it will build up and you could get an outbreak, which then gets called an STD, but it's nothing of the sort. Cultures, herpes, yeah. Yeah, herpes, yeah. yeah uh, it's, it's just that the body's quite rightly uh, getting rid of this toxic stuff that may be coming from your teeth and um uh, you know so it's a natural process let it do it the the worst thing to do is what the medical establishment does is try to give you stuff to prevent it happening and that's the worst thing you can do you're sort of imprisoning the poisons in your body uh, which, where they're going to cause damage so you know let your body do it I, and I, another I, another unlikely area that people forget about is their clothes. You know, we talk in the, our book about toxic clothing uh, with how they're made and the dyes and things that are in them. And, of course, when you wear them, uh, particularly in the hot weather and you're sweating, that stuff leaches into your skin. So, again, all sorts of uh, quite noxious substances from the dyes uh, in the materials or the plasticizers uh, leach into your bloodstream. And, again, your body's got to get rid of those. Uh, it may get out, them out in various other ways, but it might come out in blisters and lesions and rashes. Um, and then people think they've caught some disease, which uh, is just not the case. I got that book, Killer Clothes, after reading your book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a good book. I also got the uh, Trust Us, We're Experts by Sheldon Rampton and John Stauber. Another good book. Yes. 
Yes, yes very yes. good. We, they're they're all in our library. <laughs> yes, Go, going back to the um, you know the idea of of stress and and your beliefs. Um, one of the other aspects of of the STDs is is the the idea about um, you know that sex is a bad thing. It's a, it's a sin, and so you get a sexual uh, you know an STD uh, as some kind of punishment. So um, as well as the um, stress levels, uh, there could also be various belief systems that people are brought up with or, you know, as children, they're brought up with ideas about sex as being something bad. And so it's um, there's a possibility of the these beliefs be, being um, developed into something that, that turns out to be guilt um, after a sexual act because of, uh, you know, various um, people have suggested, oh, well, you know, they um, never had the problem before and after they had sex with somebody or something like that. It's, uh, but it, it could be that aspect of guilt. What? But again, uh, it would depend on each person. But it's it, it certainly, uh, there are certainly some societies where uh, sex is definitely a bad thing and something to feel, uh, you, you know, uh, to hide and to feel bad about and to feel guilty about. And so it's not too surprising that... Uh, the um, the rashes and blisters will come out in an area that uh, brings uh, the matter to the person's attention. That it'll be in a place that is uh, relevant to them. So mm. again, it's uh, it, it's it's a delicate topic, really. What does the of, you know, just... what does the medical establishment say about about STDs in regards to can they be transferred without sex? And if they can't, then who had the first STD? Well, that's an excellent question, and that's something that um, very few people actually ask, because who actually had the first virus, who had the first bacterium um, to actually pass it to somebody else? No, they they don't give an answer, and, and that's far too logical a question for any of them to even have contemplated. Um, but apparently these, these um, germs just appeared on Earth and obviously jumped into the first person somewhere along the line uh, no i mean they, they don't give anywhere near well they don't give any explanations and and even when they try they are are very poor and they certainly don't explain and there are huge gaps in some of the explanations as as we found when we were um researching just about every single disease there are areas where they say that you know they don't understand certain things um and we always but, we always look for the proof I mean, the whole mm. sort of uh, uh, the whole uh, information in our book is asking those questions and showing that the proof, the, the medical establishment, do not have any proof to, to, as to what the causes of any disease is. You know, they, it just isn't there. And particularly uh, viral, so-called viral diseases, you know, they do not have the proof. And so uh, our first question, uh, uh, to anyone who's talking about disease and saying, oh, you know, because there's always someone who'll say, oh, yeah, well, I know someone who caught this and we all went to a party and then we all got it. Um, but, you know, our, our retort to them is, well, we're not denying that someone may have got ill. We never deny that people get ill. But it, what we can tell you is it's nothing to do with a bacteria or uh, a virus because there is no scientific evidence to prove that. And it all comes back to that. The... <clears throat> The, the proof is got to be by the people proposing that theory. Uh, and, and that brings us right back to this COVID thing where they have never, as we've said many times, they have never properly isolated this so-called virus. They've never categorized it and listed its 
uh, DNA and its makeup, uh, and they have never done any test to prove that that so-called virus is the sole cause of any disease. You know, basic things, uh, and they've never done it. Which, and that's because they can't do it. So, so what's uh, what's being looked at under the microscope then? Because there's clearly something there, and we know that the definition of a virus has changed over the last couple of decades, even the last century or so. So what's being looked at under the microscope? There's clearly something there, and I think that confuses people because they say, well, look, there's a, a electron microscopy. There's a, something there. There's a particle. There's something. That, that must be the virus. So, so what is well, it then? It's, it's just that. Under the electron microscope, uh, everything is inert. It's dead, you know, even bacteria. They, under, because of what they have to do to be able to look at something under an electron microscope, it's, if there was any life in it, it it's, it's no longer there. Okay. So the things that they're looking at, you know, to give a, a long story short, is uh, they're cellular particles. And there is no one ever been able to show a live virus. It just doesn't happen because they're not. There are cellular particles. Now, I know there's various theories about them. Now, some of these cellular particles, which are cellular debris, you know, the cells, as Dawn said earlier, you know, millions, trillions, billions of cells die every day and are replaced. And they break up, they disintegrate, and they're disposed of through the natural systems of the body. Now, those cells that are broken up into particles cellular particles are what are being looked at under electron microscopes you know so they see they see a cell and then they see all these other little bits and pieces and they've as we've said in previous programs they've attributed when someone's ill because they didn't understand what they were looking at so they see all these other little particles and they assume that those are uh, attributable to the disease because what happens if a person is ill for whatever reason, let's say they've been poisoned by something, uh, whatever it is, some toxic material had entered their body, um, it can kill cells uh, and the body will go through a cleanup exercise and uh, cells may break up, they'll be disposed of uh, in a normal way. And so what happens is if they look at uh, a sample from a person who's sick for some reason and they see that they've got more cellular particles in their body they're assuming or they have assumed that those cellular particles are the cause of the illness rather than realizing that they're uh, um, happened because the body's had to go through a cleanup exercise cells have died uh, because of the toxins that have been taken in and the, the cells and the body is going through a cleanup exercise to get rid of those dead or dying cells. So the the things they're looking at are particles, but at the time they look at them in an electron microscope, they're all stationary, uh, they're not doing anything, but they're, they're just making assumptions, but not, are not being able to prove it. They've never done the test to prove that any of those particles are, are actually truly the cause of any disease. Uh, never ever, and this is with any disease, not only the so-called COVID thing that's going off at the moment, but with any disease you'd like to mention. So, so then, okay, so one of those diseases, HIV, someone asked me yeah. this the other day, they said, all right, so if STDs are not really sexually transmitted diseases and they're caused by other things, then why do gay men tend to have higher rates of STDs, particularly HIV? I think I know the answer to that, but someone asked me that the other day, I want to ask you. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I mean, HIV AIDS was one of the first uh, diseases we looked at when we were compiling our book uh, to find out what, what was going off. 
And again, I'm, I'm going to cut a long story short because we spent a lot of time uh, investigating this. And I think anyone who looks into it will realise again, there's no virus involved in it. Uh, the fact that people were getting ill um, is not just because they were gay men. It's nothing to do with their sexual practices, it, but it was to do with their lifestyle. Um, as people know, we supposedly all started in San Francisco, certain areas in San Francisco. And uh, when those lifestyles were examined, it, real, it was realised that um, the gay men involved were quite heavy recreational drug users. Um, poppers were quite uh, prevalent. And because they in themselves are very toxic to the system, um, then those same men were going to the doctors and getting uh, high doses and repeated doses of antibiotics. And all of these things put their bodies into a vicious and deteriorating cycle, which caused respiratory illnesses, skin lesions. Again, nothing to do with the virus. And um, that's that was the sort of the beginning of, of the so-called AIDS epidemic, which is and all sorts of doomsday prophecies were given out. You know, we lived through this. I'm old enough to have been there when it all happened in the 80s and everyone was scared of having sex ever again because we were told, oh, it's not just in the gay community, it's spreading into the heterosexual community and tens of millions are going to die worldwide. The same sort of thing as we've been having about the COVID thing. None of that happened, of course, but uh, there was lots of money to be made and still is lots of money to be made in the HIV treatments and uh, we've had lots of conversations about this but again no disease in spite of what uh, Gallo said that he'd isolated the virus that causes HIV uh, that causes AIDS um, is complete nonsense and if people look into it they'll realize there is no truth there is no scientific evidence that a virus was the cause of any of those illnesses but in the early days um, they were those gay men who was who they believed had got this illness were given a drug called AZT. And it was at such a strength that everyone who was given it died. Every single person died. So they died of AIDS. And, sorry? So so they uh, died of AIDS. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, according to the establishment, they did. But uh, we've talked to a few doctors who've admitted that uh, they know very well it was the AZT. Now, I think they still use AZT, uh, but in much lower doses now. So it just takes longer to kill people, basically. Um, have you, uh, have you it's, seen? It's highly toxic. Ha, of course, it's highly toxic. Have you too seen the uh, the statistical compilations here in the U.S. about how they're taking people who die in car wrecks or people that are shot, whether that's gang violence or whatever it might be, people that are shot, people that die in a car wreck, and and they're classifying them as having COVID nineteen, and that's why they died. Yeah, yeah. it's all over the news. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's why the numbers are so high. And they're, they're also, we, we, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. We've had similar things in the UK. You know, we know cases where people have gone into hospital with a heart attack and have died of a heart attack and they've put COVID-19. COVID-19, right. And, well, it's also something they're doing here in the States where, I don't know if you have this over in the UK, but explain to me how this is scientific. Now they're saying if you test positive for COVID-19, 15 people within your friend range or people that you interact with also have COVID-19. Not not may have COVID-19. They just put, if one person tests positive, that's a total of 16. 15 friends plus the one person. That is an official manner by which they acquire the statistics now. That's why the, the numbers are skyrocketing, but nobody's dying. Yeah, 
yeah, quite. It, and as as you probably know, um, the test that they're rolling out is is a nonsense. You know, it's going to give false positives. So it, it's it's a completely meaningless test, which will only generate uh, a positive results, if you like. So again. That's why it looks like uh, there's a skyrocketing rate uh, because the test is useless. It's it's uh, um, it's a completely inappropriate test for what it's supposed to be testing, you know, because they're not actually testing for the virus with it. They're just testing for antibodies, but those antibodies can be there for all sorts of reasons. But the test is incapable of distinguishing anything of any value. So, uh, but again, I... Th- I'm sure someone somewhere knows very well that that test is completely useless, but it will give them what they want, which is higher and increasing figures that they can say, look, you know, we're getting higher rates of infection, so we need to do this. You know, we need more isolation. We need more masks. We need to rush through the vaccinations. Uh, It's all part of this plan that they have thought out. I know that sounds all a bit conspiracy theorist, but this is real stuff, you know. This is what they're doing, and uh, they're just creating scenarios to make their prophecies come true, uh, regardless of the science. I mean, we've come across lots of cases where, you know, the science completely contradicts what they're doing, but they completely ignore the science and just carry on doing what they want to do anyway. Um, So nothing that the governments of the world or the medical establishment uh, are doing with regards to COVID-19, none of it is based on sound science. But but they'll they'll tell you you're anti-science if you disagree with them, even if you're holding (laughs) the scientific studies. Well, oh, abs- absolutely. They, they but I mean, some. I mean, we're just hopeful that the ridiculous nature of everything that is being put out through the med- media, and the fact that they keep changing um, the policies, they change the um, the numbers, the, st- the statistics, and just about everything about all of this. That it's it changes all the time, partly to cause confusion and and make people more scared, but also um, because they're just obviously trying to, trying to um, ramp up the fear and, and keep things pushing forward but it is getting well we're hopeful that it's getting so ridiculous that more and more people will see it for what it is I mean that that's that's certainly my hope um, because as you say you know when they keep changing what they're saying and and to say that somebody uh, if somebody's positive then 15 people around them and if people really looked at that and looked at the people around them and think actually they're not ill either so there's something there's something right. wrong here. Right. Can, can we go back real quick to uh, STDs? I wanted to ask, what, what exactly would cause an STD then? Condoms, lubricants, spermicides, would those things maybe play a contributing part? Yes, yeah, certainly they could, you know, because, uh, you know, in a condom, the sort of latex can be quite toxic. And certainly the spermicides, I mean, spermicides are designed, designed to kill things, you know, so your skin's not going to like that too much either. Um, you know, they're in quite sensitive areas. So, uh, yeah, they can cause uh, skin eruptions. And anything that the body sees as a toxin um, is going to want to get rid of, quite rightly. Um, and uh, the, the other thing is that uh, the body raises its temperature. Uh, well, when the temperature is raised, the kind of increases the um, elimination of uh, various sort of substances that the body wants to get rid of. And and obviously, um, these kinds of things can increase temperature and people can get kind of quite warm with these things. So it, it may well, uh, there are so many different factors, but this, 
it's like with a fever you know when somebody's uh, when you've got a fever it kind of increases uh, sweating and so that's certainly one way of getting rid of um, toxic material through the skin so it could well be uh, another factor but it's it's not possible to say that it's any one thing um, in anybody in any individual case there will be combinations people are different their lifestyles are different their habits are different their diets are different their exposures to toxins will be different. Um, it, and it, it, so could, it could be it, the, the laundry detergent you wash your underwear in. Absolutely, yes. And if you're using fabric conditioners, um, they've got all kinds of chemicals, especially if they're fragrances or parfum or, or whatever it's called. I mean, they can be extremely irritating. And, of course, if the skin is irritated, it'll be it'll um, develop um, sort of spots and rashes and um, uh, react to all these kinds of irritants. So, yes, and, again, um, clothes, yes, hygiene. There's, there's so many different parts to it. But it... You know, as the one thing it isn't is, is, is a virus, <laughs> and and it's nothing to do with being sexually transmitted. As you know, yeah. uh, we've re- recently uh, written an article that's on our website, what really makes you well dot com, um, that literally says, you know, there's no such thing as a sexually transmitted disease. So people can have a look at that, uh, so they can, uh, you know, if they can't remember all the things that we've been saying, have a quick look at that uh, on our website and. Uh, uh, hopefully, for those who have not bought our book, it might encourage them to get it because there's lots more good stuff in there, so that you don't need to worry about these things anymore. Um, you know, so, the so message what you... is treat your body right and trust it. Let it do the stuff. It knows what it's doing. Let it do the stuff. Don't in if it's trying to get rid of stuff, don't inhibit it. You know, because all you're going to do is uh, make yourself worse and uh, have a return of the symptoms when your body thinks right. They've stopped putting the cream on or whatever it is they've done. I'll have another go at getting this stuff out and. Uh, then you can, as I say, get this repeated cycle. So if you're using something like a condom or spermicides or something like this to prevent STDs, I mean, even condoms say they don't prevent STDs or they don't prevent HIV. So you're really doing it in a lot of cases to prevent pregnancy, right? Same thing with birth control, which causes all kinds of terrible problems for women that take it uh, on average. So really, it's just a matter of you either risk getting pregnant or you suffer the consequences of using the things that prevent pregnancy sometimes. Yes, that's true. But the thing is, if you uh, do as much as you can to um, have a clean diet, to avoid toxins where you can and to avoid stress or keep your stress levels as low as possible uh, and again avoiding uh, um, EM radiation and and if if you try and uh, do all the things that keep you as healthy as possible you're less likely to get those kinds of um, eruptions and irritations and and certainly don't get stressed about it Um, but yes it's certainly going to reduce the uh, symptoms you're likely to have Um, but obviously we're not suggesting that people um, stop using things to if they want to pre- prevent pregnancies. So yeah. you know we oh got to be very careful. That's, here, that's what we? I'm. That's what I was hoping that you would clarify. Yeah. Yeah. It, yes. Oh no, we're not saying people shouldn't use them. It's just to be aware that any kind of um, uh, symptoms that follow are nothing to do with the sex, but it may be to do with the uh, methods that using. Um, but we wouldn't. You know, we're not suggesting people don't do that. Um, the, the, sever- the severity as well, we have to say, the severity of any outbreak that you get, get anywhere on your body, whether it's in the genital area or anywhere else in the body, will, will depend on the amount of uh, toxic material. Um, and generally, um, if, if, as Dawn said, you've 
realized what you need to do to keep a healthy diet and all of these uh, the four factors that we talk about in the book if you can keep them in balance properly you'll probably never get any of the more severe symptoms of anything you, you know i.e you won't be ill you won't have what people refer to as colds or flu or covid uh, you know your body can look after itself you won't get the skin eruptions unless you've put something on on your skin which is particularly toxic and you uh, but mostly you'll probably just be able to wash that off. Um, you know, you might get a bit of a rash if it's uh, particularly nasty, uh, but it'll, it'll go, you know, don't, don't put more toxic material on it. Um, you know, just keep it clean and, and the body will uh, take care of itself. It, it, it certainly will. We've got about 10 minutes here. I want to talk about one last thing, then give you guys the floor for a moment. But on that note of just washing it off, there's a chemical the QAC, quaternary ammonium compounds that are being used to clean for COVID and other things. And a lot of uh, grocery stores use them for food prep areas. And I read one of the containers, it's supposed to be food safe. I read the container and it said, if you get a drop of this chemical on your skin, wash your skin off for 20 minutes straight without stopping. It actually says that on the bottle. And it says, if you get a drop on your clothing, Take the clothing off immediately. It is extremely toxic. It says this on the bottle that supposedly is safe to spray on an area where you'll be laying food. I mean, beggar's belief, doesn't it? You know, so people are going to, if that's classed as food safe, um, some of that's going to get onto food packaging or even into food. And people down the line somewhere buying it are going to actually be ingesting that unwittingly and then wonder why they get ill or break out in some sort of rashes and lesions you know i mean this is all the sort of stuff that we talk about in the book people don't realize just how they can be poisoned in so many ways and you have to be really careful about what you eat drink and put on your body and it's as simple as that I sent you guys an article from Mount Sinai Hospital, New York University, and it's all about QACs. And even if you believe in germs as being pathogenic, if you subscribe to the germ theory, even Mount Sinai and New York University said that ammonium chloride compounds are poisonous, they're dangerous, you should limit your use to not use them at all. And they found that in their so-called studies, even if you believe in germ theory, their conclusion was... If you use 88 cents a bottle, CVS dollar store hydrogen peroxide, it is better and more effective than using an ammonium chloride compound. So even if you do believe in germ theory, just spray some hydrogen peroxide rather than the toxic chemicals. It says that in the medical literature. Okay. <laughs> well, that's another example of the kind of uh, contradictory advice or informa so-called information that they put out. Uh, and it's no wonder people get confused if they do start doing research. Um, I mean, it, it can be quite a minefield. Um, so, uh, you know, you have to be careful what you look at. But, I mean, that's just amazing that, you know, the information is out there about how dangerous these substances are. Um, but the, well, the simplest way is to use a water. But again, water is another whole topic, of course. It is. You know, we've got to getting clean water to, uh, well, not just to drink, but to wash in as well, because, well, there's all sorts of things. So, yes, that, that's that's a, a difficult thing. But to use um, as, as simple a kind of cleanser as possible and preferably not anything that, you, that's chemical-based. You don't need chemical cleansers. No, no. you don't. They're, they're, they're only simple gonna, soaps. Yeah, just simple, yeah. Uh, you know, the, 
as we've said, the body's integrity, the body will, ma will maintain its integrity. And, you know, you, you need to only take simple measures to keep it clean. You don't need chemicals, certainly not chemicals, mm -hmm. and certainly none of these things that they're trying to uh, sell people to, uh, you know, we see people going in and out of supermarkets and lavishing this, uh, this toxic waste all over their hands and the shopping trolleys. I mean, uh, if you need to put gloves on, it's just it's so that you don't get any of this chemical waste on you. <laughs> thing, but, uh, Precisely. You know, it's, you know, it's dreadful. So, um, well, let me, let, yeah. me, let me shift gears real quick in the last few minutes we have because I wanted to talk to you guys about allergies. Uh, okay. I've had, quote-unquote, allergies in my life, and I've, quote-unquote, grown out of those allergies. Now, I think there's a middle ground. A lot of people believe that if there's something genetically wrong, that it's always genetically wrong. Nothing can fix it. Other people don't believe that genes, which is, I don't know, it's kind of silly, genes play any part at all in the human existence. I've heard everything on the scale. Well, I've had some allergies. The allergies have essentially gone away. I don't think that all things are really allergens by the way that they classify allergens because if I drink something like milk, Milk is really, really acidic, and it's really, really toxic for humans to drink, so it makes me kind of sick, and I don't think that's an allergic reaction. I think that's my body re reacting to something gross, right? Yeah. So tell me about allergies. My son is 16 months old. He, uh, he doesn't have any need to go to the doctor, but he, he got an allergy test, and they're like, well, he's got a milk allergy, and he's got a peanut allergy and things like that, the standard common things for most people. It's a very common thing. And they said, but don't worry, he could probably grow out of them. Okay, so my question is, if it's an allergy, if it's genetic, if it's something the body is doing, attacking itself, something along those lines, how can the body, quote-unquote, grow out of it? Well, first of all, a couple of things there. Uh, the body doesn't attack itself. I know that's uh, uh, one of the common things that the medical establishment tell people, you know, call them autoimmune diseases which is uh, basically the, it's when they've not been able to blame a virus or a bacteria for it, they uh, blame the body and say it's an autoimmune disease and the body's attacking itself. It's, it's, like, junk, it's like junk DNA. They don't understand yeah. it, it's junk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's complete nonsense and we, we do talk about that in, in the book. Uh, the body doesn't attack itself. Uh, the body can be poisoned and, and uh, badly affected from outside by all sorts of things, uh, mostly toxic chemicals allergies uh, well just i'll just touch on because i can see we run out of time um allergies are nothing to do with genetics uh, um the thing that's in charge of the body is not the genes it's the cells and the cells respond to their environment you know um so it's not the genes so you're not locked into some genetic malfunction um that's going to cause a so-called allergy if, if someone's suffering from, I don't know, hay fever or peanuts, as you say, is a common thing. If you, I think we, we talk about peanuts in the book as an allergy and show that it's nothing to do with the peanuts per se. It's to do with how they're grown and the toxic material that they're grown in and the other crops that they're grown with. So basically, um, I mean, if I eat peanuts, I will only ever eat some that have come from uh, an organic source because I know then that they're not going to have any of these toxins which the vast majority of peanuts are grown in um, and it's <clears throat> so the person is not allergic to peanuts <laughs> if you like they're being poisoned by whatever is on them or what they've 
uh, what's been taken up by the peanut during its growth from the soil and the uh, fertilizers that uh, it's been fed with. So, you know, they're not allergic to the peanut, they're allergic to what's in it. Um, so that's a short answer to that one. Uh, so allergies are always, there's always a deeper reason for it. And, and it's generally <clears throat> where the, the food or whatever it is, is there's something toxic about it that the body can't handle. That's one thing. And the other is that um, over a period of time, the body can be knocked out of kilter over a period of time so that it's uh, out of balance in being able to work properly. You know, and this can be by vaccinations, antibiotics, medications it's taken, uh, which can put the body out of balance. So it's no longer in homeostasis. And that can appear as an allergy when something uh, triggers a reaction. Uh, I mean, I'm giving a very short answer there. We do cover it in some depth in our book. The only thing I would um, question is what they actually used in the test, the test yeah. to determine, uh, you know, that your son was um, allergic to peanuts. I mean, I, is that actually something that's a, a, a peanut-based product? And if so, is it a... Um, peanuts um, sort of, well, it depends. Uh, well, yeah, again, I, I'd, I'd want to know what the substance that they used in that test to determine that your son was allergic to peanuts. Again, particularly, I mean, I know peanut allergies is such a big thing, um, but certainly there are a lot of people who eat peanuts who have absolutely no problems whatsoever. The other interesting point is the fact that um, allergies, I mean, not just peanuts, allergies seem to suddenly appear you know people have uh, years decades of of being absolutely free from whatever it, uh, um, it is and then suddenly develop something and generally you can't suddenly develop something certainly if it's supposedly genetic so that there's something that they're exposed to that they're um uh, that they're either eating or um that's in their environment that they've developed a a reaction a strong reaction to so um that's what causes the um the system to to develop those system, uh, symptoms and so certainly with with peanuts um it's the thing to to look at in uh, certainly in the US is how they're grown and they're often grown uh, in combination in rotation with uh, cotton crops and cotton crops don't have to have um, any regulations about the uh, pesticides that are used on them so the pesticides stay in the ground and if the peanuts are then grown in the same soil they'll be uh, they'll receive far higher pesticide kind of content as they're growing uh, in the plant and then that'll be transferred to the actual um, peanut although it's not a yes it's not truly a nut it's a legume um, so that's one of the reasons why uh, I think in the US that, that there's quite a lot of uh, uh, peanut problems. It's because of the how pesticides, they yeah, how yeah. they're grown. Um, so again, I, I'd I'd have a look at the what they used for that particular test to determine that he was he had an allergy. Right, yeah, and it's also basically because, as you can imagine, we have a healthy disrespect for anything <laughs> the medical establishment does, particularly as regards their tests. So. As Dawn said, I would really question just what the value of that test was to be able to say that. I would be very suspect right, that it's, uh, it was anything um, that's really relevant. It's also kind of like a laboratory setting, too, because if I take a banana and I rub it on my lips, my lips will swell. But if I eat a banana without it touching my lips, I don't feel any direct effects of the banana. So there's clearly something on the banana that affects my lips directly, but not my body that I can feel. They're pricking your yeah. back 
with a test. That's not really a real-world thing where you're going to be exposed to a peanut in food or something. It's a different situation. And, I mean, yeah. see, they, they call organic a trend nowadays. I noticed this. And, see, organic is only organic because it's a certification. That's how people know organic. Prior to that, it was just natural. Chemicals mm -hmm. change that. Chemicals are the trend. Organic is not the trend. And I think chem chemicals, stress, electromagnetic frequencies, these things can damage your DNA, and they can cause the symptoms that are classified as disease. What do you think about that? And then final comments. Well, certainly, yeah, because we've not we've not talked about electromagnetic frequencies, and uh, that's really is a big deal, and getting worse uh, all the time. And we, we touched on uh, what the medical establishments calls autoimmune diseases, and um, those it's not again not the body. Many of those can be directly attributed to electromagnetic radiation, uh, particularly. Uh, like multiple cirrhosis, where it's a breakdown of the nervous system um, <clears throat> and the nerves. And uh, there's been lots of tests and evidence to show that uh, that's directly attributed to electromagnetic radiation. So uh, <clears throat> even attributing things like diabetes, where the ele electromagnetic radiation affects what's called the electron chain, which uh, determines how the body deals with fats and sugars. And if that electron train is interfered with, which it is, with electromagnetic radiation, it can cause class uh, type uh, 1 diabetes. So, uh, again, um, that can also explain why there's been such a rise in uh, type 1 diabetes uh, around the world. Um, as well as sugar. As, as well as diet, of course. You've still got to get the other factors right. But even people who are sort of keeping a good diet and still suffering with or being diagnosed with that, um, they need to look at their environment. And it's getting more and more difficult to be clear of uh, not being near a cell phone mast or a, uh, a power tower or uh, underground power cables. It's getting more and more difficult. So we bomb and the Wi-Fi in your own home. Let's, so you can uh, let's you can, do a show on that next time. Let's do a show <laughs> on that next time. I think we'll we'll start there because we're we're out of time for tonight. I think that you guys should name your next book. Trust us, we're not experts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I like that. Yeah, we'll have a think about that. Yeah. <laughs> what really makes you ill? What really makes you ill? Why everything you thought you knew about disease is wrong? Listeners can get the book pretty much anywhere books are sold. Is that correct? Online, Amazon, etc. Correct. Yes. All right. And uh, and there's quite a bit of information on our website at uh, www. We keep putting up articles there, and people can look at interviews that we've done. This one will go up there as well, um, so people can get quite a lot of information about us and about our work uh, for free. <laughs> so so that's got to be good. Excellent. And this is a big book, too. This is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. Yeah, nearly 800. Nearly 800 pages and 40 pages of references. So it's yeah, it's quite a tome. Yeah, one, one person said to me, I, I want to read it, but it's an, it's kind of expensive for a, for a book, isn't it? And I said, well, not really, because you're getting like three books. Here. Yeah. This is enormous. Well, we've, uh, we're happy to say that we've been approached, uh, well, we've actually signed a contract with a French publisher who wanted to publish it in France, in French, at their own expense, and uh, they make, they're producing it in two volumes, two hardback volumes, so they're making two books out of it. Uh, so we're quite excited about that. <laughs> that is very exciting. I'm excited for you. What really makes you ill? One of my favorite books, it's on my bookshelf, and I use it as a reference, and I also want to thank, uh, thank you guys for writing me Don, you wrote me that introduction for Food Philosophy. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Good book. 
Interesting. Very interesting. Thank you, you go very into much. a lot of detail about uh, a lot of the problems with food uh, and ingredients and the way people approach it. Yeah, very important. I, I was honored. You said you learned some stuff from my book and you wanted to put some of that in your book. And I was thinking, well, there's a bunch of stuff in your book. I just put in my book. We all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. We share information. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly. Good. That's what this show is all about here on The Secret Teachings. Don Lester, David Parker, we're sharing information with you as an audience. And you can share information with us at rdgable at yahoo.com. You guys have a good night. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. The Fringe FM is the network. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Stay safe. Stay informed. This show will be in the archive for free, even if you're not a subscriber. I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings Radio Show. And you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Check out my show, The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, right here on The Fringe, 11 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern, U.S. time.